So here we are, Titus 2. What? Woohoo! Did everyone get a handout? Yes. Do you love this girl? She's just looking up. And for such a time as this, I, I think that this is a, a powerful, pertinent, spot-on topic for us in this, this uh, one-little-page book letter, actually, that we're studying this year. Some of you possibly had never really read Titus, and many of us have never really dug deep and climbed in and let it just really shake us up a little bit, and hope it, hopefully it is doing exactly that. It is for me. And just below, below this girl that's pointing straight up, and um, it says, charm is deceitful, and beauty, <laughs> it passes. But a woman who fears the Lord, glory to God, she'll be praised. She'll be praised. And that's the answer. That is the secret to life. Um, amen. Who wants to say amen to that? And so as you, as you turn in your booklet, you'll see that on one page we ha- do have our Titus text. And on the other side, we have um, one of my favorite heroes in life. It's the Proverbs 31 woman. I didn't grow up in, in a Christian home. Um, we, we did believe in God, and um, I love my mother and father very much. But each of them were raised by single moms. Um, my mom's um, dad was an alcoholic, and uh, so was my dad's dad. So he was the town drunk. Um, my, um, my dad's mom was married four times and, uh, each of them to alcoholics. We weren't quick, win, uh, quick learners in our family. <laughs> so, um, when I came to the Lord, truthfully, I, I, I was just born hungry. I mean, I was born again hungry. I was just hungry to grow. I was hungry. I, I came very broken, made a lot of mistakes, and boy, I was crossing the, the line into a whole new world, and I was born hungry. And I just wanted to devour God's word. And I just read page after page after page. I was an empty cup. And all animals actually are born hungry. I, I got the privilege of delivering a goat once. And um, so exciting. And I was there just waiting for that little baby to arrive. And out popped its head. And my hand was there to catch it. And it started sucking on my thumb. Uh, I just, I, we bonded. And um, we had milk goats. So we had to take, take baby away from mama. And so the baby slept by me. And I woke up three times a night to feed it. Loved that little baby goat. And, and, and God makes that in us, that we are hungry to learn and grow. And so this is really, this seems like a swift kick, you know, this, this what we're studying today. But really it comes with a hug. It's because God loves us. And the things that we're going to study, and I'll read now, but, but as for you, as for you, Paul writes to Titus, speak the things that are proper for sound doctrine. The older man uh, must be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, and in patience. And an amazing thing happened last night. The women uh, were in the, the, the big room next door, and the men were here for the teaching, and there was a panel discussion. And we got, 
out before they did, the men, and I watched it on the screen out there. I don't know if we were supposed to, but I did. <laughs> and there was just these amazing godly men sharing amazing wisdom. If you, if, if you, um, I'm sure you haven't watched it, but I'm going to watch it later. And what a blessing to have godly men in this church mentoring others. And, and now for the women, that the older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanders, and not given to much wine, but that we are to be teachers of good things. We're, we're to be proactive. We're to be about our Father's business. And this is a great privilege and honor that he's giving to us. And then he also mandates that as part of our walk with him, that we to admonish the young women to love their husbands and to love their children. So we're going to step into each one of these um, these issues because they are they are really rubber meet the road. And on the other page, uh, you'll see that the, my hero, one of my great uh, heroes in life, is Proverbs thirty one woman. She's my Statue of Liberty. She is. She's my girl holding the flame, and um, I just love her. I love her. Um, uh, so how old? is old. That's the question. Uh, <laughs> when I was young, I thought 30 was old. Yeah, like, I couldn't even imagine being 30, let alone 50 and 70. Oh, my goodness. But So how old is old? And no matter how old you are in this room, and, and I was hoping there'd be some teenagers here today, someone's younger than you. Someone is younger to, to, than you. And we're to be about these instructions, whatever slot we're in. Um, I was, um, oh, a few months ago, I, I went over to one of these classrooms. I wanted to go to a children's church uh, just for the worship. And on the stage, there was teenagers from about 15 to 13. And one of them was Savannah Barsh. Some of you know her. And um, they, they had their guitars, and they were singing at the top of their lungs. And those little kids, they were like third and fourth graders. They were, they were paying attention to those girls like they were rock stars. I mean, they were jumping up and down, and they, they were just, they, they, those were heroes on the stage to them. And, and truthfully, they, they can be heroes to those, those people, kids as they grow up. These teenagers that are teenagers now or, or in their 20s, um, they can be heroes to the next generation below them. So how old is old? I, I, I came to the Lord when I was 20. And uh, again, I, I felt like I had wasted that phase and I was born hungry. And uh, within a few weeks, I moved into a Christian ministry and it was a Christian outreach house. I came to the Lord in the Jesus People Revival. And hundreds and thousands of young people were coming to the Lord. And I wanted to be part of it. That I, that's the ministry that had won me to the faith. And I wanted to be part of that. So I moved in. And, and um, I, 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 everything that was going on, if there was a Bible study down in the family room, I was there. If, if somebody was opening their Bible in the kitchen, I was there. And one day, the, the pastor of that Christian house said, I'm, I'm going to Corona. Uh, we were in Santa Ana. I'm going to Corona. I'm teaching a Bible study tonight. And who wants to go? Me. 
So uh, a bunch of us jumped in the van, and we went to Corona, taught the Bible study. And again, it was a revival. It was just at somebody's house, but it was packed with young people, most of them under um, 19. And it was so packed that there were kids standing outside looking in the windows. Oh, to have those days again. And at the end of the Bible study, the pastor said, okay, guys, you stay in this room, and the girls, you go outside and sit on the grass in a circle, and Debbie will talk to you. Well, I am about five weeks old in the Lord, and I looked at him, and I go, what? What? Not me? How could I talk to them? And he said, oh, don't worry about it. You know more than they do. Well... I, I did actually know more than they did. And so I sat in this circle, and I shared everything I knew. It took me about 12 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and then actually, I remember this clearly. I just went over it again, John 3.16, and some of the key verses I had already uh, learned. And then I remembered how it happened when I came to the Lord. Someone said, uh, would you like to accept Christ? So I said, would anyone like to accept Christ? And this little blonde-haired 15-year-old girl raised her hand. She said, I do. And um, fortunately, I just said the prayer. So I remembered how to say the prayer. So I led her in the sinner's prayer, and she accepted Christ that night. And uh, about about... Six years later, she married uh, a young man, and they felt a call on their life uh, to go into the ministry, and he became the pastor. He started, actually started the church, Calvary Chapel, Moreno Valley, in their garage, and they served there about 35 years and just retired. Glory to God. <laughs> so, you know, um, where, uh, wherever you are in your faith, you are ahead of somebody, you know, and, and you, can, you can step out in faith and know that God will use you. We must be shining lights. In this beautiful little letter for Titus, uh, by Titus, um, when you read First and Second Timothy and Titus, you know, there's a, there's a commonality about those two letters. And actually, they, uh, scholars say that those were probably his, his last letters that he wrote. So he's in part, he's getting down to basics there in those three little letters, and all of them are fairly short. Not only is he writing truth, he's passing the baton, not just to Timothy and Titus, but to the people that were in first-generation Christianity. Trust me, they, 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 hadn't, they didn't have further along people to, uh, to learn from. Um, most Christians, and Paul, at that stage, he was probably much younger in the faith than we are, many of you. But he was passing the baton to Titus and Timothy. Um, and what a powerful, and then to us. So um, there's a common thread in both all those books that we must know, and we must live, and we must pass on God's truth and God's love. We're to be shining lights. Um, I thought about Paul as he writes this letter, and we're looking at the, the women portion. Um, actually, most scholars believe that he was never married, probably never married. If he had been married before he came to Christ, you know, as a legalist, he would have been hard to live with. You know, when, when someone's a legalist, everything that goes wrong is your fault. 
not theirs. So um, hopefully he wasn't married, but then when he did come to Christ, he was busy. He was traveling all over, starting churches, getting thrown in jail, shipwrecks, starting riots. You know, probably good that he wasn't married, <laughs> truthfully. So Paul had been, had been in Crete, um, so he knew the culture there. He knew it well. He had walked down the streets. He had seen there was lots of bars, lots of darkness, lots of broken lives. And sometimes uh, when we read such a letter and he's giving instructions about, um, and we'll get to that, about, about women loving um, their husbands and loving their children, and sometimes we think, well, he didn't know my husband. Well, easier said than done. And um, we got married when, before we were Christians. So, so that makes us, you know, just different. If I had to marry a Christian guy, that would have been easy to, mar- to love him. Well, he's talking to Crete Christians. And remember the dis- character description of the men in Crete? Always liars. Probably always hang- hung out th- at the bar. And, but God's the God of the clean slate. He's the God of the fresh start. He's the one that empowers us. And so as we step into the, the nuts and bolts of this, I felt definitively that the Lord wanted to encourage us. He wants to encourage us. And I turned to 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, and one of my all-time favorite passages that I felt like he just wanted to put out there for us, lest we just get discouraged that this is a tall order for us. In, In verse 3, it says, His divine power, meaning supernatural divine power, has given, not just will give, has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And then it says a very important phrase, through the knowledge of him, through the knowledge of him, who called us, who called us by glory and virtue, and by which have been giving us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. And so when, whenever God speaks to you in the word of God and convicts it, you and shows you an area you need to grow in, you just lean into God. What are the promises? In our weakness, his strength is perfected. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Lean into his power. Abide in him and let his power and his love love through you. His self-control be strong through you. We need to lean into him as we, as we step into the particulars of this. Oh, open my, nope, here we go. So let's step into this. The older women, likewise, that they be reverent in behavior. First things first. First things first. Don't try to live the Christian life um, to, to impress anybody just to be a good girl, to do it right, it's really holy reverence. 
having a first love of God, spending time with him, wanting to please him, the heart of your Father God and your Savior Jesus. That empowers us to do what he asks us to do. We owe him our very, very lives. When I was a a young mom, uh, when I was a young Christian, I shared this last time I spoke that uh, the churches really didn't want those beginning groups of, of kids that were out of the world, the hippies, because they weren't dressed up and cleaned up yet. Um, so there was not very many mentors, but Kay Smith, Pastor Chuck Smith's wife, um, she would take Chuck down to the, to, down to the beach and they would pray for the kids because her heart was burdened. And then later she taught a fabulous study called Pleasing God. Has anybody ever gone through that study? Three of you, five of you, can I have ten? Yes. (laughs) Um, It's on the internet. It's under, um, you can find it. It's with all of Pastor Chuck's teachings. There's also a section of Kay Smith. And I've started listening again. Well, I heard that she gave that that um, that message, and I called Calvary Costa Mesa that day. Can you send me the tapes? I know some of you don't know what that means, but they're they're little things that tape, and you listen to anyway. It's kind of the equivalent of of a CD, and some of you that's old technology. Anyway, I called that day, and I would go to my my mailbox like. Five times a day, is it here? It was my lifetime. And, and she, she let this phrase, pleasing the heart of God, just hang over her being like a blanket and a sweet opportunity. And um, so she was a teacher of a good thing, and she reverenced God. Later, I had the great privilege of serving on, on uh, several committees with her, which I adored. The best part was just hanging out with her and listening to her. And one day, this was a teachable moment for me, one day um, um, we were chatting about all kinds of things, and then someone realized it was her 50th anniversary. And they said, um, it's okay. Um, what did you do yesterday on her, your anniversary? And she said, well, I woke up and I said to Chuck, so what should we do for our anniversary today? He said, well, okay, I'm driving up to the mountains to teach at the junior high camp. She took a big swallow and she thought, well, if I want to spend my anniversary with my husband, I should just get in the car. <laughs> It was a teachable moment to me of how to actively reverence God and respect our husband and to come alongside of him and to, um, to love him. What a teachable moment that was. Reverence in behavior, not slanders. This is a big one um, because it's so easy to just be so subtle Slander is actually different than gossip. Um, slander is, is actually worse. Slander is unfair. It's putting a slight twist on something that actually is true. And um, it, it's not pretty. 
In fact, in the Greek, I looked this up, the Greek word is diablos. What do you think? Well, Satan's a liar. He's a liar. And when he speaks, he speaks his native language. So, child of God, we must not be speaking as he speaks. He's the accuser of the brethren. So being a slander is not a good thing. I, I, um, I, I found myself a little annoyed with someone recently. And when you're annoyed, don't you kind of think of things that you would say? <laughs> just being honest. And um, then I, I just randomly turned on Instagram, and the first scene out of the shoot was Billy Graham, and all of a sudden he was saying, Gossip! Is a sin. And he pointed his finger and he said, Don't dishonor God because gossip is a sin. I felt very pointed too. And, and the Lord just reminded me of this moment where he taught me a big lesson. There was somebody in my office, and I think I've t- told you this story before, but she was mean. She was a very mean person, and she particularly did not like me. I can't imagine why, but (laughs) she did not like me, and she gossiped behind my back. She was rude to me, and um, she, uh, but in, in the scheme of things, she hired one of my dear little friends. I was trying to win one of our other gals in the office to the Lord. And I'd been sharing Christ with her and sharing Christ with her. And then she went to work for this mean lady. And um, one time, this gal, um, my little friend, was cutting my hair. And she was crying as she cut my hair. And she was telling me how mean this lady was to her. Well, she made me spitting mad. I mean, don't make me mad. I was so mad that I was just boiling up. And I just wanted to, to, to... tell what I really knew about that bad woman. And all of a sudden, I got a vision, and I know it was from the Lord, the Holy Spirit, and it was a picture of duct tape. I felt like the, the, the hand of God came down and wrapped duct tape around my mouth. And I, so as I sat there, and she was crying and talking, I was going... And, and basically, the Lord said, you shall not... You shall not. Two days later, I got a call from my little friend, and she was, this was what I heard on the phone. <laughs> Debbie said, yes. Hello. Deborah, is that you? <laughs> yes. I said, what's wrong? She said, my son. She had a teenage son that I knew about, and I said, okay, I'm turning around the car. I'll be right there. And she was a mess. She shared her story, and I said, you know what? This is bigger than you. This is bigger than you. You need God. Right now, will you pray with me and accept, accept um, him into your heart? I said, you didn't call me. You called God. She said, I know, but I only had your number. <laughs> but I'm telling you this story. Why? Because if I had polluted the path by speaking my mind, unloading the truck, I would have polluted that path. And from, to my dying day, I'll be thankful that God used duct tape 
on my mouth. You shall not slander. And what's the next one here? Um, Teachers, uh, oh, and not much wine. I have a strong opinion about this. I have a strong opinion about this. I personally have chosen uh, not only to not drink, but to never even sit in the bar section of a um, a restaurant. Because um, a lot of... A lot of women maybe know me. I'm, a, I'm in lots of churches and lots of places, and they might recognize me, and I don't recognize me, them. And even if I'm drinking a Coke, and they walk through, and they say, well, Debbie, she can drink. I guess I can drink too, you know? And we have to be so careful. There's so much at stake right now. And I, I've known so many people. In fact, I teach Bible study every week to three recovery houses, women that have ruined their lives with drug and alcohol. And fortunately, their lives are being restored. They read the one-year Bible every day, and God's changing their lives. But you know what? I'd rather lay in the freeway than hinder the path to their recovery. Um, We need to be so, so careful in our lives. And the last thing, the young women to love your husband's. This is urgent. This is vital. This is vital. Um, it's so easy to kind of rack up some things, some failures, that, some flaws in our husband and, and have a, a critical s- spirit. Um, I, I was reading this this morning, praying over it, and I looked over and there was a, a devotion on my table. And um, this, this little book it does the pro- proverb for the day. And yesterday's proverb in the one-year Bible was very poignant, so I thought I'd just read it. And the proverb uh, in October 9th of the one-year Bible is, the north wind brings rain, and a backbiting tongue, an angry continence. Second part is, to dwell, it's better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. Wow, that's, that's right to the point. The second half of our proverb is a stiff warning. It's better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. A contentious woman, who is she? She's just trouble. She's just trouble. She's hard to live with, so she drives people away. Men are often in the doghouse with their wives, And in some cases, I think they'd rather live in one if she's in a bad mood because she's picking on him. That's not right. That's not fair. My grandma used to say, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And why? Because she's just going to see to it if mama ain't happy. She's going to make everybody miserable. So, So most men know unhappy wife unhappy life. It's interesting that Solomon wrote the Proverbs, but he wasn't a quick learner. He was wise, but he wasn't always smart. His, his first 30 or 40 um, wives might have been knocked down beautiful. After that, he probably chose, chose better. I want someone nice. I want someone sweet. So ladies, let's be sweet. Let's be intentionally sweet. Being hard to live with doesn't solve any of the issues that you're stewing about. 
Here's the antidote for the day. Therefore, as the elect of God put on tender mercies, don't you know that people around you, your husband, your children, we're, we're encouraged to love them. And, and I have friends that have children that's one of them just announced that he was gay. Um, another one has a son that's, that's on drugs, in and out of rehab. It's hard to love our kids. It's hard to love people around us. It's hard to live sometimes people in close quarters. That's why we need to put on the tender mercies of God. He's merciful to us. Can't we be that to others? Humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing one another, even as Christ forgave you. So, let's pray this back. Lord, in all of these down-to-earth, rubber-meet-the-road issues, um, I think all of us can, can feel a pang knowing that we could and should do better. And Lord, we just pray that you would forgive us for our failures, and with that, God, that you would empower us with your divine power to love even the unlovable, whether it's our cranky neighbor, whether it's our sister-in-law, whether we're angry at our husband or disappointed. Maybe he's going through a hard time and he's struggling. Lord, help our homes to be safe havens, a place of blessing. And God, would you, would you help us? May the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.